morning, short church. All right, so here we go. So you turn to First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 16. It's in the Old Testament, fairly kind of close to the beginning uh, of the Bible, but I really encourage you to check it out. Make sure it's in front of you. You can either Google or Safari that thing or if on your app, on your phone, or if you don't have a Bible, we do have some in the back. You can grab and follow along with us. So let me pray and then we'll jump in. Uh, Jesus, again, we, we come to you in prayer. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you that you are uh, the author of creation and uh, you've authored yourself into it uh, to pay for the penalty that we deserve. And so I pray, Jesus, that as we surrender to you, uh, that we will live out what you've called us to and that we will trust your amazing promises of salvation uh, when we confess you as our Lord and Savior. So we, we pray that, that uh, I just pray that this will be a great encouragement to those that are here visiting with family or friends or here um, as, the, uh, as they've been here all along. So I just pray, Jesus, uh, that this will be an encouragement to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, I'm not sure if you've ever received a gift, like, a, a, like an important gift. I'm in my 50s. I can still remember gifts from when, I'm in, when I was seven. All right, one of those kind of gifts, right? Like you, you run to the gift and you play with the gift and it's like, oh my goodness, this is so good. I can't believe it. And then you run back and you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, dad or mom or whatever, whoever was the giver of gifts. And you're like, thank you. And then you run back to the gift and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I have this. Do you remember one of these gifts? Like mine was a trampoline when I was seven. And I thought, this is mine? And then my dad was like, no, it's for the whole family. Uh, but I was like, I will never forget that. A trampoline when I was seven years old. Or maybe a, a trip like to Disneyland or Hawaii or Mexico. Like my in-laws took our whole family to Mexico a couple years ago. And we still talk about it. We still talk about it. It's a gift that you still go back to the giver and you go, thank you so much. That was amazing. That was so fun to be a part of. This text that we're going to go into is that. King David, the shepherd king, is going to go on for 28 verses and praising the giver of life. It's, it's amazing. Kind of what we did here, he wrote a poem and it's 28 verses long and he sang it and the people would sing it together. And it was all in the context of the, him bringing and the people of Israel bringing the ark back. And the ark was a representation of the covenant of God and his presence. And it was like, how else could you do it but sing and praise his name and rejoice in what he has done? the giver of gifts, the Lord of lords, the King of kings is now in our presence. And I just want to thank him. That's what we're going to get into today in First Chronicles chapter 16. Uh, so when you're so jacked up about these presents that you, you had, and I remember when I got my first bike, my, the trampoline, all these kind of things, what did you do? You were restless in bed, right? All you could think about was doing that next thing with your present, like whether it's riding a bike or telling all your friends, did you see my bike? I can ride now. I, I don't need the training wheels. I can ride, right? You can't wait. And then David says the same thing in Psalm 132, 4 and 5. He says, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. And this is exactly what is chronicled here in Chronicles 16. 
So like we have passed, in the past been overwhelmed with thanksgiving from a gift or a trip, may our hearts, and this has been my prayer this week, may our hearts as a church family be renewed in our hope and renewed in our joy about who the giver of gifts is. And that's what our mission statement is here, to make Jesus known, and that's what this uh, sermon is, is all about. So for us today, we're going to unpack these 28 verses. The Bible gives us stanzas because it is a poem, it is a song to be sung. And so I'm just going to follow those. And it has six points to it. And these six points just happen to start with a P, all right? I'm so proud of this, all right? So (laughs) alliteration. Who doesn't want alliteration at the beginning of the fall? No one. All right. So here we go. Number one, we have people's duty, promises, protection, proclaim, praise, and prayer. So we're going to walk through that. Again, if you have your Bibles, turn to it. I want you to see it so badly. So please look at verses 8 through 13. If you don't have a Bible, it is on the screen for you. But I would love for you to circle and underline and all that kind of stuff in your Bibles and see the beauty of this poetry. So the people's duty. Verse 8. It says, Oh, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Oh, offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Such a good stanza. We could spend hours on just this text, but I'm going to fly through it. So friends, visitors, I love that you're here. I love that the church body has gathered together. And we, man, we had such a sweet time on Friday and Saturday together as a family going through that workshop of training of love, know, and speak. And and it was such a sweet time of fellowship with one another, praying for one another, crying with one another, intimately getting to know one another's story such in a deep way. And we want to continue that. And that's what this is all about, to love each other like Jesus has loved us. That's our duty, the people's duty, to forgive as Jesus has forgiven us, to confess and seek that forgiveness and to serve like Jesus has served us. This is the goal of this church. This is what we want to do. And this message is to the church. It's to you. It's to me. See it in verse 13. It says, O offspring of Israel, his what? Servant. Children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Servant, children, chosen. Such good language. In this, and David, the King David is reminding us you are a servant of God, you are a child of God, and you're a chosen one. So let's sing, let's praise his name. And that's what we get into. So may this spark a new joy, a new hope, a new desire that your life might be about Jesus. See, as in Colossians 3:23, it says, Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Do your whole heart, do it for the Lord. And so look again at our text, right at the start there in verse 8. It says, give thanks. Appreciate the giver. Run to the giver and give thanks. You're, you're rejoicing over the life that you've been given and come back to the giver and say, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for me. And then call upon his name to reach out to. This is what the call upon. It's just like a reaching out to him. 
to reach out to. This is an action of trust and gratitude and thanksgiving. And you don't call someone that you don't trust, right? You don't call that person, but we can trust in the Lord because he is faithful and we'll get to that the next stanza. But Jesus commands us to call out to him in Matthew 7, 7 through 80. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Call upon his name. Call upon his name. Then it says, make his name known. I'm just reading the very words that the text says. Make his name known. Tell of his works. Glory in his name. Glory simply means to show off his name. To show him off. Take the spotlights off of yourself and spotlight it on Christ. Spotlight it on him. He deserves the spotlight. Why? Because he has given us everything. He's given us everything. Right? A thousand years after this poetry was written and the people of Israel were singing this poetry, Jesus entered into creation. Virgin birth, walks for 30 years, performs miracles, and brings dead to life, heals the lame and the sick and the blind. And then he dies for us. To pay our sin? Really? You did that for me? Pay our sin, our penalty that we deserve so that we might live. He gives us all of his righteousness. He fills us with his Holy Spirit and we did nothing. He did this according to Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners. This is our God. Glory, glory in his name. Glory in his name. Then it says to seek, seek his strength, seek his presence. And like we talked about last week as we closed off Ecclesiastes chapter 12, remember. Remember what? His works. It says this in verse 12 here, his works, his miracles, and his judgments. Because one day you will account for all things done under the sun. So we give thanks and you see this right in the text. Give thanks, call, make known, sing, tell, glory, rejoice, seek his strength, seek his presence, remember his works, his miracles, and his judgments. It's right there. This is our duty. This is the people's duty. His children, his servants, his chosen ones. Let's go to the second stanza, promises, verses 14 to 18. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made, here's the thousand generations, through Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. The people's duty is to bring glory to God. The promises of God, they are unchanging. They are guaranteed. They are trustworthy. Four generations of covenant to his people. And he doesn't stop. His covenants last forever until he fulfills them and he fills every single one of them. 
It says this in Joshua 21 to 45. It says, not one word of all the, God, the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. Not one. And the skeptics out there, the skeptics, the people in this world that are going, ah, I don't know, he's probably failed on one of them. Find one for me so that we can go and party. Because if he's failed one time, then he's not God. So please find one for me. Because, man, it is so much easier to just party and do whatever you want. But, man, the, you, you know as much as I do that the tendency down that trail just leaves you in devastation, doesn't it? God is the fulfiller of the promises. We aren't. We break promises. Like we make a promise and the next year it's broken. Or the next month or the next week or actually in minutes. But in fact, his promises are found fulfilled in Jesus. You see this in 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him, through Jesus, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. That's why we make Jesus known. He's the fulfillment of all of God's promises. This is why. Because he is the fulfiller, one of which is to save those who trust in him. That is a promise of God. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, his promise to you is that you will be saved. And he fulfills all promises. So trust him today. Protection, verses 19 through 22. When you were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation. So this is sound like the, the exodus out of Israel and there's many other times that the Israel nation was wandering all over the place. From one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account saying, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. People's duty to glorify God. Promises fulfilled in Jesus. Protection it is his responsibility. Our responsibility is to abide in him, to trust in him, to put our faith in him. But, and here's a big but, that maybe already some of you are thinking, what about the bad? What about the suffering? If God is the protector, then why suffering? Like we have people in this world still, like Christians, brothers and sisters in other parts of this, of this world that are still, to this day, if they confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they will lose everything. They'll lose their family. Their family will disown them completely. There's beheadings that are still going on today. And, but what about the men and women that, have, uh, that are right now suffering through physical abuse or sexual abuse or verbal abuse or rape or sickness or death? What about those things, Jer? Is God my protector? See, this is an age-old question that we won't be able to cover in full today, but if you come to me afterwards, I've got all kinds of resources for you. 
one great resource, just, just a side note, for John Piper made desiringgod.org. If you go onto there and do a search of why is there suffering in this world, you'll get all kinds of different articles and a biblical mindset of what it is. But in short, let me give you, in short, let me give you my reasoning for this really quickly. And please give me grace because this is very fast for a very big topic. So God is the protector. It is God who provides, and think through this with me, eternal salvation, eternal protection from the penalty we all deserve for our rebellion. See, not to dismiss the horrible sin you have maybe experienced, but we mustn't forget that we too, that we too, we have to start with this, that we too are sinners that we too have sinned against others and ultimately our sin is against God himself. And because of that sin, we must die. But we have a protector, a protector against our enemies, but ultimately a protector against ourselves. Because of that sin, that requires a payment of death, a payment that God has to pay his wage to us. And so we have been the perpetrator. We have been the abuser. We have been that person that maybe is attacking us right now. And we've done the same thing to God. So why should we live? The only reason is that Jesus stepped in the way of our penalty and protected us from the wrath of God. Paying on the cross the penalty that we deserve. Shedding his blood for us that we might act in that way when we see suffering around this world, that we would help people get out of these things, that we would be a conduit of God's amazing grace to protect others as Jesus has protected us and point them not to our protection, but point them to Jesus' protection. Jesus has come that we might have life and life to the full. Eternity is a long time. That's the type of protection Jesus is promising. He is our protector. Let's go to the next stanza, proclaim, verses 23 to 27. It says, sing, and he comes out of this protection and goes, sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, for, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless, worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Look at those first three stanzas. Go back there, guys. Rowan, head back to that text, that first three in verse uh, 23. If you can head back there on the screen. Look at those first three words. If we go straight down, sing, tell, declare. Sing, tell, declare. And you can even add other ones. But sing, tell, and declare. Next week, we're going to be hitting one of our core values. One of our core values is evangelism. Sing, tell, and declare. This is a call all throughout Scripture. 
This is a scary word for some, but it is exactly the moment in time when you evangelize someone before you, telling them about the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, and they accept Jesus Christ for the very first time for their Lord and Savior, and they surrender through mouth, through confession and belief in the heart. You are witnessing a transformation right before your eyes. And man, it, that, you want to talk about addiction, that is addicting to see. See someone transform for the life of Jesus Christ and they're born new right before you and you praise Jesus together. That is fun. That is exciting. That brings amazing joy. See, this is a scary word for some, but it is exactly what we are called to do. We're called to sing and tell and declare. In this text, it isn't just a select few that are called to sing to the Lord, but all, see, it says all the earth. Sing to the Lord all the earth. It isn't to tell one person, but from day to day. It isn't just your people you declare about the Lord, but every nation. And isn't that exactly what Jesus commanded us to do? Go out into all the nations and proclaim the good news of him? See, it's everywhere in the scripture. We just read over it way too fast. So we do this for because he is great and worthy of our praise. See, here's the coolest thing. In verse 27 there on the bottom, it says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Are in his place. Now think about this. Strength and joy are in his place. So if we aren't experiencing true, unadulterated joy, could we be apart from his presence? And could it be that only true, lasting, eternal joy is with the presence of the Lord because strength and joy are in his presence. So maybe, just maybe, when you abide in him, when you seek him, when you give all of yourself to him, you will experience true and lasting joy. It's in his presence. Praise, look at the fifth stanza, 28 through 34. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar. Get the, these next couple lines. We've got the whole creation involved here. This, let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That last line is said more often in Scripture than any other line in the Scripture. His steadfast love endures forever. If you want some proof, go to Psalm 136. It's every second line. His steadfast love endures forever. So the people's duty is to glorify God. Promises fulfilled in Jesus. Protection, it is his responsibility. Proclaim his name and praise the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. We see the word ascribe three times. It's a weird word. We often don't use this word, but this is giving credit to. Giving credit to. 
Kai has been such an encouragement to me in these last couple of weeks as he's been putting hours upon hours upon hours into a website that I have no idea how to do. Zero. And every time I say thank you, he's like, give it to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord, a credit to the Lord, give it to him. And that needs to be a reminder for all of us. And I'm sure him too. Because there's something in us that is still sinful and fleshy and we still go, I kind of like the thanks. But we need to remember and recognize that everything we have, every breath in our lungs, every ability to see, which is crazy enough to even think about how the eye works and how the body works and functions. And every time we wake up for another day, and I challenge some of the guys I'm discipling with, and I go, man, we need to stand at attention when we wake up. Just get out of the bed and just stand there. It's going to feel weird. And we just go, at your service. And start our day like that. And get ready to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Ascribe to him all the gifts that you've received. It's his. You did not determine these things. It's all for him. So praise, give thanks to him. Like I mentioned at the beginning, taking, uh, talking about a gift and running back to the gift and playing with the gift and then coming back to the giver. This is what we need to do more of, coming back to the giver of the gifts and just praise his name. Friends, your life and breath are gifts from the Lord. That means every time, every time you wake up and breathe and take a breath and your heart beats for another day to live, you're called to praise his name to give thanks to him. You bless his name for his steadfast love endures forever. And finally, pray. Look at the last stanza. Say also, I love that. <laughs> David, David, you can just see David just slow right down here. Say also, save us. Save us. Oh my goodness, if that doesn't make you pause a little bit. Save us, O oh God, of our salvation and gather and deliver us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, amen. And praise the Lord. What a song. People's duty to glorify God. Promises fulfilled in Jesus. Protection, it is his responsibility. Proclaim his name. Praise the Lord. And finally, pray. Pray. And this just isn't any type of prayer. This is prayer to be saved. This is a prayer of deep recognition, the recognition that actually I need saving. I'm guilty before a holy God. There is a fraction between me and God. There is a brokenness in between me and him. And I need to be saved. And the saver is Jesus. He came to pay the penalty, to step into the way, to take the wrath of God upon himself and to give us his righteousness that we might be saved. And King David, thousands of years ago, before the cross even was thought of, is saying, save us. 
save us. He recognizes that we need saving. Do we recognize it? Do you recognize you need saving? The true salvation rests in Jesus. The only salvation rests in him. See, it's not just any prayer. This is a prayer of eternal salvation. And the turning point in this prayer is amazing. The turning point. Maybe flick back to it there, Rowan. Flick back to it on the screen so we can all see it together. Back to the text. One more. And one more. Awesome. I'm not sure if you see the turning point in there. Let's just read it again. Save us, O God, of our salvation and gather and deliver us from among the nations. Next three words. That we may. There's the turning point. Save us. Only salvation can come from you. Here's now what I'm going to do. Save us that we may what? Give thanks to his name. That we may glorify his name and that we may bless his name from everlasting to everlasting. Like the mission of our church is make Jesus known. We exist to make Jesus known. We exist, friends, that we may make Jesus known. And all the people said, amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this text. I thank you for the reminder that you deserve all the credit. All the credit goes to you. And we thank you, Jesus, for your word that we can glean from and learn from. And we thank you for friendship and, and family and, and the opportunity just to gather and, and be a part of something bigger than us, your church, your church. And may we be, as a church, one that shines a light into the community of your name, making you known that we may bless your name, that we may praise your name, that we may glorify your name, that we may uh, uh, make your name known. And so help us, Lord, fill us with your spirit and guide us as a church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So we, cut, we, we as a church at Shore, we want to respond a few ways. A couple of things we, we respond with is through prayer. And so even just as our training workshop, we wanted to pray. We want to pray with one another. So if you don't feel comfortable coming up to one of the couples that are up here on the side, just find someone with a shirt, one of these shirts. They would love to pray for you and care for you. Uh, and so, uh, or even afterwards, if you want to come, come to see me, I would love to hear and pray with you. So this is what we're called to as a church, to pray for one another and confess sin to one another. And so please come forward and pray with one of the people or couples or someone in your row. We also respond by way of communion. And communion is a rem remembrance of what he has done, remembrance of Jesus, it, all credit to him. He's the one that stepped in to take our penalty and he did that through the cross. And so the bread is a representation of the body. The, ju the juice is a rep representation of the blood shed for us, putting a covering over us. And that we might be saved eternally. And so this is for Christians. This is for those of you who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're here and you have not done that, please feel, 
please do not come up. Uh, just this is a family thing, and so I can explain that more to you maybe personally. Um, but, yeah, feel no shame. We are all in your position at one point. And so just stay, come and sing, and rejoice with us. Um, and we also, by way of giving, by way of expression, by even just this message and throughout the scriptures, everything is a gift for us. And so we want to bestow that gift on to others. And how we do that is tithe and give back to the church. And, and so we can do more and do more within the community. And so we want to give to the church and, and out of a joyful heart. And if you're new here, please feel no obligation to give whatsoever. All right. Uh, I've got some couple of announcements after Ryan sings and prays, and then we'll come up and kind of explain what's happening afterwards. So let's rise and sing to our Lord and Savior.